a podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the Rookery End. Hello, welcome to another From the Rookery End short. My name is John, with me is Mike. Hi. And uh, today we are... <laughs> hi. What? What's wrong with that? <laughs> Gravelly, hi. Hi there, hello. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, welcome along. Uh, and we're here with Kieran. Hi, Kieran. Hello. Uh, Kieran, Not, you, that was a lot more straightforward, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Kieran, you used to sort of involved with uh, Vital Watford, but you are you're a blogger in your own right. Well, yeah, trying to be. I've just started a website, so let's say I'm a blogger in my own right. But uh, you've been lucky enough recently to chat to Marvin Sordell, and you are. Do you know what I find it quite hard not to say Marvin Scordell? We'll get on to that in a minute. You've uh, lucky enough to chat to him, and you've got a series of blog posts coming out about this this interview. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've started by I published something on the Watford Observer last week during that normally dull international break period, and uh, yeah, I've got like three pieces coming out on my website, which I probably should say is polymass.com but you, I won't even bother spelling it but you'll, there'll be a link somewhere I'm sure just, go, just google it you'll find just it, it. Yeah, just, just traffic google around sword it. out <laughs> or something like that this week and clearly it'll come up but yes because yes. uh, Mike you know, when we started this podcast for, you know, originally we called him um, Marvin the Paranoid Striker A because it was a nice reference to the Hitchhiker's Guide the Galaxy but he was going to be this, this player at Watford one of the strikers who we didn't necessarily think was going to have a a big role to play and therefore would probably be paranoid about his place yeah I think he was one that you always thought was probably going to be on the periphery we've seen it a lot as Watford supporters a lot of academy products never quite making the grade and there wasn't really anything to suggest that Marvin was going to be anything other than that really until well he had a, a fantastic breakthrough season uh, the second season under Malky Mackay, our first season as a, as a podcast, uh, and he scored 15 goals, and we renamed him Marvin Scordell because he was scoring lots of goals. Do you see what we did there? That following season, uh, after Danny Graham left, he was sort of our, our main focus at that point. Troy hadn't made that, that leap to where he is now, and then he got sold. Yeah, and indeed we were speaking to uh, speaking to Toe from the Arsenal podcast um, for, for another little short and he mentioned that he thought Marvin was a better player than Troy back, back then and, and I guess if you look at the stats and the, the performances around that time, someone speaking from outside the Watford bubble, that, that kind of makes sense and um, perhaps his move was, was no great surprise. We, we felt that he was sold under our feet a little bit by a previous owner, he who shall, shall not be named anymore. <laughs> I'm not allowed to mention him anymore because it gives me a nervous, let's move on, let's move gives on. Me a nervous tick. I start doing funny stuff. Um, but yeah, so he did really well for us. And he's always a fascinating one for us, really, because we're, we're a podcast, which I guess is a bit of new media, I suppose, if you want to want to call it that. He's been very active on Twitter. We spoke to him a couple of times uh, for the podcast. We spoke to him via Twitter quite frequently. And he, he in fact, he gave us a shirt to give away as a competition, which was very kind. So we had always had this little relationship with Marvin. And I think protective is the wrong word, but interested and certainly intrigued as to, to how he's getting on now is certainly describes our feeling, well, my feeling towards him anyway. So this, this article, this series of articles came, came at a real um, opportune moment. Uh, how did it come about, Kieran? How do you get to spend a couple of hours chatting to Marvin Scordell? I, I, I'm happy when I say it that way. So I've been looking to try and interview a few players for slightly more in-depth kind of you know, just have a conversation about what it is to basically be a footballer. Like, you know, what, what's the mentality that comes across, um, you know, when you're speaking to someone in that position. And he became a free agent pretty much around the time where I was thinking about that again, thinking, you know, of this list of players that I wanted to speak to. I thought, oh, Marvin Sordell, he's a free agent. Let's get in there before he joins another club and I'll have to go through the club. And uh, so I, I just basically sent him an email out of the blue, found an email address for him, 
it just sort of happened. Like he, he replied to it. He he liked what I had to say, like the idea, and um, he basically said, "Yeah, let's do it. You just tell me tell me where you want to meet. Tell, what do you want to do?" And and uh, yeah, I just Marvin to interview me. Marvin, <laughs> Marvin's down the road waiting to uh, yeah be interviewed. So yeah, he was he was really nice, really kind of open to the idea, and I think it comes with the uh, the fact that he's kind of. He's been through quite a lot, and it's fair to say he's he's gone down the footballing pyramid slightly, so he doesn't have to kind of be so guarded about what he says. So I think he's he's the type of person that's interested in what we ended up talking about, basically. So now you've been um, good enough to just got the clips to play from that. For me, you cover two different sides of of, of Marvin and, and being a footballer. One of them is that that development and how you become a footballer. And there's this first clip where you talk to him about his first memory about football. When I was five or six and. I think it was Arsenal's soccer school where we came to my school yeah. and I remember winning a prize and then I got to go to Highbury. That's why I'm an Arsenal fan. I remember. Oh really? Yeah, so you weren't like a football fan? Before you went there you weren't like an Arsenal fan? No. I, was, I think I was five years old. Oh, it wasn't in the family? No. Like, no, me, no. I was born no, I mean yeah. football's not really in, or football, sports in my family but not really football. It's more like athletics and stuff. After that my next memory of football, playing football was when I was, I think I was, I must have been about seven and I was playing for Belmont United and I um, I think I went to train one time as a goalkeeper and I, I trained one session I remember and then my mum asked the manager if I was going to be signed and I remember him saying no he's useless yeah yeah that's that is one of my that's my first memory that's of dealing like with a football coach I, I was, and I was like seven years old. I remember. Was he like the classic football coach kind of type? Like, was I, on, I couldn't even tell you what he looked young. like. But I, I do. I still remember this. Yeah. Like he, he said, "No, he's useless." He ended up saying he played for the B team, and I remember playing for the B team. In, it was St Joseph's tournament, and I was in the B team, and we got to the final. I was in goal, yeah. and I didn't let in the goal until we lost one 0 in the final, and that's the only oh, goal nice. I let in, in the whole tournament. And it's actually in some ways quite amazing that he actually became a professional footballer after that, that one. We know what happened, we've already talked about what happened at, at Watford. He, he went off to Bolton and I think that was probably a major, for a young man like him, that was a major part. And in the interview, when you asked him about his time and how he was at Bolton, he had some quite interesting things to say. I think it was probably the time when I was just struggling really. I don't think anyone knows or would really have ever known mm. that. that you know, I can that speak about it openly now, but that period I was... I was in a bad place, you know, even, and I wasn't really in a place where a lot of people could could help me until I really wanted to help myself. And, you know, it's almost like when I wasn't playing, well, like you said, I feel like a bad person. And I almost felt like when something bad happened, I deserved it because I wasn't doing well. You know, and these things just escalate and they snowball and you kind of let the world get on top of you. And, you know, it affects everything from a day-to-day basis. You know, you you have a very negative body language, and you know some people say that. Well, a lot of people would probably say that I've got a bad attitude. You know, but seem that's because. Be. Or at the time, people without said that. But yeah, at the time, people would have said that, but because you know, if you don't speak to someone, like yeah. then you're never really going to know what's going on like in their mind. Yeah, no, I, I don't think. Half the time, anyone really asks me, you know, what's really up? You know, what's, what's wrong? Like, how's it going? Are you, you know, are you genuinely all right? And people don't ask those kind of questions. People just kind of get about their business. Funnily enough, I remember being criticised at the time by the um, the chairman, the Bolton chairman, 
you know, he'd found out that I was too into my Everton. I kind of just talked to him and tried to get a better understanding of myself. And I remember him, he, my mum telling me, he'd called my mum and said, you know, why is Marvin focusing on this and, and spending all this time cooking and piano lessons, he should be focusing on playing football. It's really strange that you yeah. call your mum as well. My mum's a big person in my life. Yeah, I know, but it's just funny that, like... Rather than speaking yeah, to the player to and asking to... And the but you think that, you think that, you know, at the time when I was at Bolton, I was, I was bored. Yeah, you know, well, no, the, yeah. I didn't have any friends there, I didn't have family, my girlfriend was in London, so I was bored, so I decided I'd want to do something that's productive, or um, digital piano, yeah. and started getting piano lessons, because I thought, let me try and do something productive in my time, and it, it felt like an escape for me to you know, go home and play the piano, practice it, and yeah, music like is so, such a peaceful thing. Yeah. Are you good at the piano now? <laughs> I've not, been, I've not <laughs> had a lesson in ages, I'm, I'm, the thing is, I'm still... At the exact point where I've where, you left off. where I left where you off, left. <laughs> I can practice up until the exact same point. All right. So I'm, I'm okay. You should get yourself back into it. But I'd, it's moving around. It's just yeah, makes yeah. it a get nightmare. Get yourself another uh, digital piano. I've, I've still got it. Still got I've it. still got it. But it's obviously it's in Manchester. I think what's so fascinating is how delicate a footballer's career is and how easily it can change. Because when Marvin left, he was. You know, he was hot shot Marvin. He was Marvin Scordell. He was so important for Watford at that time. And you can understand why, if indeed he did make the choice, the ultimate choice to go to Bolton, whether you know whether or not he wanted to stay at Watford, I guess, was taken out of his hands ultimately. But really, if any of us sat around this microphone and had the opportunity to go and play for a Premier League football team, even if they were struggling, you're probably going to go for it. And ultimately, it's that decision that's not cost him because I, luckily he's back in football now as we know and, and doing quite well but I think that's really fascinating for me and interesting and, and I think quite um, important that people hear that and understand how fragile and how, how sort of wafer thin the, the, the success of these decisions are and how, how, how small the, the, the margins are between being successful and kicking on from a good from a real good starting point which he was at and it, and it all went down downhill quite quickly and, and the fact that he sort of was open about it and has addressed the reasons why and is now looking to rebuild his career at the age of 24 which sounds ridiculous 24, yeah. but I just find it absolutely fascinating and and valuable I think for football supporters to hear it because you see footballers as bulletproof we sit there in the stands and we cheer them or we shout at them there's never really much in between. Did that come across? Did he feel scarred at all or anything like that? I think the biggest thing is he, he, he brought it up himself in this way where he mentioned the fact that supporters, all you see is them playing football for an hour and a half or so every week, you know, if they're lucky enough to be playing every week. That's all you see of them. And I think there's a huge amount of assumption that goes on with footballers, like, like you say, bulletproof and so on. You might not necessarily assume that every player is bulletproof. A lot of people... Thought Marvin Sordell was a bit of you know a lightweight you know mentally and physically and so on and so forth. I think that I think there's an awareness from the footballers side that fans are like that. And I think that what you're saying about like you know how wafer thin the kind of the difference between making it and just dropping. I think it's amplified so much with if you're a very young player and if you're like the more promise you have the harder it hits when you don't make it. I watched the, the video, his like unveiling video at Bolton as preparation to like speak to him about it. And um, yeah, they were just like, you know, this, this guy is our future, you know, like this is, 
he's playing for the under 21s he's, he's he's tipped as a future england star and then he goes on and plays 40 minutes in the premier league that season that's all he played and that wouldn't have been quite such a big blow if he wasn't so young and so over like overly hyped in, in the end it was overhyped yeah it hits hard i mean there's so many circumstances that go through it added to that fact is the fact that he's in a brand new place he's never been to bolton in his life he's He's got no family nearby. He's got literally no one that he knows within the space of a couple of hundred miles. And that's not something as simple as homesickness. It's like boredom. It's so many things that just didn't quite work out for him. But he's really kind of, my impression is he's, he's grown as a person from it. And clearly that's going to help, you know, your footballing ability if you're like a better person for it. One of the, one of the big things he's gone on to do is, is the foundation, is the Marvin Sordell Foundation. And I think one of the telling things from, from the piece was that he said he, he felt he had to do it when the time was right because he didn't know if he was going to be, you know, he's got to do it when your star's shining bright. And we, <coughs> we spoke to Troy Deeney, didn't we? And we, we spoke about uh, Marvin, we spoke about, play, we, not just him, but we spoke about uh, players and staff he played with previously. And I think Troy was a little bit concerned, I think, was probably the right way to describe it. He thought maybe, why are you doing that? Why aren't you focusing on your football? From, from other pieces within the, in the article, it, it feels like it, well, he, Troy wasn't the only one who was thinking that. And as you heard from the clip, it wasn't just Troy. There were other more important people at that stage in Marvin's career who, who thought that as well, who thought it was a bit, a bit flippant and he should have been focusing elsewhere. Is that right? Well, there's two actually. There's two, two episodes I, I describe them as. Like One of them is the, the chairman at the time at Bolton calling his mum up and saying, why is Marvin not focusing on football? He's, he's got, you know piano lessons he's doing things like cookery classes why is he you know he should be living and breathing football and, and it's a really strange thing for a chairman to go to a player's mum about and then there was also I think but, but, but now when you say that though when you said that they re, re, you know they revealed him to being their future yeah maybe that's why the chairman no, was I, so involved then yeah I agree with that I do think that there's obviously you know both sides of that but we're talking about a person who's you know, footballers have a lot of downtime. Um, that was very apparent when I spoke to him. You know, what you do with that downtime, if you've got a big family or something, or if you've got lots of friends. When he was at Watford, he said, I just see my friends every day. I'd be with my family. When I go to Bolton, what, what is there to do? I had to come up with my own new hobbies and so on and so forth. So it's, the other thing is like, Dougie Friedman was kind of like on his back straight away as well. You had a kind of- to drive, didn't he? He really did. I think that like for such, small things as well like they, they call it he called it an obsession with social media and that's like the way Marvin explained it himself was look I'm just a normal person using social media and at the end of the day I do do a job that is in the public eye but if I was like a kid if I'm talking to someone and I, and I think like he's a football fan if I put me in his shoes I'd be buzzing if, if, if football is like just having a very casual conversation with me I'd you know I'd be loving it and, and, and there's not it's no it's no problem for me it's not taking my eyes off the game or whatever but obviously other people thought differently. When uh, we gave Marvin uh, Sordell the breakthrough artist of the season in our first year. The coveted. He, the coveted, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, uh, he beat uh, Adam Thompson and Matthew yeah. Wichelow. Yeah. The Watford going on to other things in the academy never, has never been mega apart from from Ashley Young who's the only player you would say is above Watford. It's happened very, very rarely and I think that's worth remembering and even this year I heard the fact that on, I think it was on TV which made it even more real Watford have fielded two homegrown players this year which is staggering Good conversation for another time I think in, in a lot of ways I feel quite melancholy about this whole this whole Marvin issue and and like I, said, I have got a bit of a vested interest because we have we've, we've been in contact in, in various guises over, over the years but I think he was one that perhaps we that got away due to circumstances 
the club's owners at the time, I think, probably let him down. And it's just so, it just feels so unfortunate. And I don't think, I think Marvin could have been a much better player by now than he, than he is now. I think, I think he's an interesting character by the sounds of things who, who quite enjoys finding his own way and he's, he's grown up enough and mature enough to, to understand that life is what it is and that it's not just about a sort of onward trajectory to playing in a Champions League final. There's more to life than that. And I think that's worth remembering as supporters as well when you're, when we're all screaming and shouting when the linesman doesn't give a corner or the, the striker misses a one-on-one. And that's why I think this, the, the work you've done, Kieran, is so, it's so valuable with Marvin because I think he's so interesting and so grounded I think he's made mistakes that he'd admit I think football's dealt him bad cards that he won't mention because I think he's, he's too positive to do that but I think he's a real interesting case study and it's a horrible thing to describe a, a, a human being as but it shows just sort of how all the cards have to fall 100% right for you to make it all the way and I'm just frustrated that, that perhaps he wasn't given the opportunity that I think he'd, he'd earned at Watford but he didn't. He didn't give that that feeling, though, did he? When you spoke to him, he, he's he's of the opinion that everything happens for a reason, and he's very sort of he's grown as a person and kind of he's relentlessly upbeat about everything that's happened to him. I think, but yeah, it's he's he's that type of person. I just wanted to go back to something as well, like the Marvin Sordell Foundation question. I do think that when you spoke to Troy about it, and he sort of said, you know, it was maybe made his career suffer slightly, or it's a normal thing to say. It wasn't wasn't a mean thing to say about his career. It just it is what it is. I, when I spoke to him about like I, I just asked him why did you do it it was as simple as I read a book that changed my life I read this book by Sophie Hayes about trafficking and I just tweeted her or something like that saying that it was a great book and she got in touch with me and I just felt like a responsibility to sort of say like how can I help and that's what that led to it wasn't like I want to be the big I am and put on some big fundraising event it was a very circumstantial thing and that's why it was that one fundraising event and I, I think that these things can be sort of put out of proportion or they can be misunderstood and at the end of the day he's just someone trying to do what he thinks is right I think yeah has it changed your view on football the industry at all ever so slightly I, there's always that argument you you can always talk about like oh well they're paid loads of money so really they should be okay whatever but there's things like you know he met his girlfriend that he's still with a month before he moved out of Watford simple things like that and you try and put yourself in their shoes like well yeah I'd love a load of money but at the same time it wasn't a case of like oh she'll come up with me then like she's got her own life as well you know it's it has changed my perspective a little bit like I've not really had a discussion with a footballer about life I don't think you know it's a normal thing to talk about in interviews either with footballers you're usually who, talking about football who is like so you know you, you want to do more interviews you said who, who the, maybe not who but the type of player you like to speak to next? Well, there, there are certain types of player that you get snippets of the way they think about football in their, you know, usually humdrum questions about, like, how did that game go? And I remember, I mean, this, this might be slightly ambitious because I have no idea where he is now, but uh, there, I remember this, this interview. I think Troy did the interview. He was talking about, um, to Emmanuel Amunia is the guy I'm talking about. He was asking him, you know, like, how did it feel in that moment where we scored that goal in the semi-final in... And he, he just sort of drifted off into this kind of like, like a reverie, you know, like he was just like, these are the moments that you, it's not just in football, but in life. These are the moments that you live for. And, you know, I just think that he'd be a very interesting person to speak to. But there, there's loads. I'm sure that if you actually ask people about, it's just the type of questioning. Marvin himself said something I think is very, he replied to my email saying this. He said, the way that interviews are conducted these days, it's a very simple thing. You only ask a certain type of question and you only get the same type of responses. And there is an element of honesty in that, but really, 
you don't get to the number of it unless you're asking like questions that are slightly more nuanced than like you know the second half was was really poised for you to go on and win but then you lost why did you lose and you know you're not going to get much insight from that whereas there are certain players where you feel like they're on the cusp of saying something that you think that's an interesting character point or that's I, I'm, I'm interested in that I'm interested in like the humans that actually play football you don't really almost think of them as people but I'm interested in the fact that they are personalities running around that football pitch and they are as diverse as you know you and I you know diverse as anyone that you'd normally meet and I, yeah that's what I'm interested in and that's what I'm hoping to sort of bring you more of as, as it were but um, we'll see so how can we uh, read this Marvin Sordell trio of uh, posts I've got a website that is uh, annoying because I have to spell it out because it's called polymass.com but it's P-O-L-Y-M-A-A-S it's just a made up word don't even ask but that's that's like a, the start of uh, a blog hopefully and it'll be coming out in three parts part one will have yeah, come out already and uh, yeah in, within the space of a week there should all three parts will be out and that's how you read it it's as simple as that if you've not read the Watford Observer bit obviously go on the Watford Observer website and that, that's a nice setting up especially for Watford fans because it's all very Watford centric it's all about Watford on there so yeah well, we look forward to reading it and uh, reading some more in the future hope so hope so